Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Out of Character. Uh, with me, as always, is, I guess, now famous actor, Cotton? Yeah. <laughs> that, those You're are words. You're famous in one city. You're famous yeah. in one city. <laughs> Everybody knows you. Uh, we will have to do an episode where we talk about that in detail because I would like people to know what you've been doing outside of all of this. Sure. Where, but, where, where the fuck is Cotton Man? Where, where... Yeah. <laughs> and um, we'll do that uh, in a future episode. But tonight, today, this evening, whatever, we are going to talk about scheming in tabletop RPGs. This is something I have never been able to do. I don't understand how people are able to do it. Do you? Are you able to scheme in RPGs, Cotton? Yeah, I feel pretty. Um... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, why yeah. don't you just get off the show right now, then, yeah. and let me learn? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, in order to learn this, I have uh, what well, we've invited to me one of the best schemers I've ever played with. I don't know how he comes up with this stuff. I don't know how he sees stuff a mile away. And I'm like, what? What's happening? I don't get it. So I'm hoping to learn. I'm hoping to glean some knowledge from our guest, Oz. Welcome. Hello. It's a pleasure. Yes. All right. Now you can say his name, Cotton. I'm glad that we had that level of regulation, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have to be careful with you. Sometimes you go rogue on me. <laughs> Wild card. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, you've been gaming for how long now? Oh, gosh. Um <laughs> It's it's 2024 now. Uh, mm -hmm. Spoilers for those of you who don't know. I have been <laughs> gaming for 26 years. Wow. All right. And, and you've played Shadowrun. I know you've played Call of Cthulhu. Deadlands. You've played D&D. &D. Anything uh, else? A little bit of Pathfinder. I've mm -hmm. played some Star Wars D6 and the new proprietary dice version. Um, Star Wars Bullshit Edition, I'll call it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Bullshit Edition? Okay. The yeah, Bullshit, bullshit Edition. <laughs> it's, it requires special dice, and you have no fucking idea what the dice say. And by the way, here's this great success, but there's a complication, so it means you actually fail. So I, I have opinions. Uh, of course... <laughs> um, I've DM'd a lot of Shadowrun in my day. Um, I'm also the uh, storyteller for the Alien game. And you know what? Alien mm -hmm. RPG is pretty great. Okay. So, goes without saying, decades of experience in gaming. And um, when you play Shadowrun, I've seen this, where you come up with some weird diabolical plans in uh, uh, Vampire the Masquerade, you scheme behind the scenes so much. I have no idea what your character is up to and doing. And I need to know your secrets. Uh, I will. In relation to into in relation to scheming, you don't have to tell us everything. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's absolutely fine. I know there there's there's two people in here who are also in the vampire game, so I'm not going to give away all my secrets. Fuck. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and like one of those schemes, I'm sure that RC can twig on pretty quick. I think he already did in game. But yeah, no, I'm 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 happy to I'm happy to talk. Uh, anybody who knows me knows that I love to talk, especially about myself, uh, which sounds really weird when they hear me talk at work. <laughs> uh, so scheming, yeah. So yeah. you know the the scheming at its purest most basic iteration is you have a plan what is that plan so like we'll we'll talk in in terms of uh you know Shadowrun. okay i'm gonna i'm gonna bring up my face my face royce royce was a guy i made just my the thought process was what if you had a 
middle manager at a corporation who got way too into character and he was LARPing during Shadowruns as a Shadowrun online character. And his secondary was, you know, these these uh, dipshits that aren't in the system, I can exploit these people and make more money for myself and my corporation. So my first scheme was, how can, one, I survive this run because magic users are dipshits, and two, how can I market these people in order to create a new product line? So that was that was a scheme, make more money. Uh, once I have my, that's my goal. So the next thing is, what's my process? Well, my character has not a full sim rig, but he's got the eye cameras and all that stuff. And so from there, he can do the memory dump into the corporate system. Uh, they see that they, he didn't run against the corp. One, two, he was clean. And three, he's got all this marketable data. And then they they say, okay, what's your product? His run was um, somebody set off a bunch of uh, children's like anthro drones, like teddy bear drones, into a mall with explosives. <laughs> so he's watching the runners like charge in grab these things and you know get all these people in this mall with this sense of safety is like this is fantastic this is great tv copy these guys are you know here's a giant minotaur oh he's gonna make a great plush toy and then i've got all these discount fucking drones i'll put a chem sniffer in every single one and they'll put them in every single crib and now you've got this drone that's a gas detector if the kids got sids it's gonna start screaming if a shadow rudder comes in well he's got a scanner right there and i'll just make all this money so now he's got his process he's got his plan what can stop the plan? There's always two things that can stop the plan. Discovery or death. <laughs> okay. So All step right. four is, how do you mitigate those? Well, mm -hmm. you mitigate death by not putting yourself in a situation where somebody is going to kill you. Which, if you're a face, that's pretty easy. You can talk yourself mm -hmm. out of just about anything. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is discovery. Well... For him, it was easy. He never told anybody what he was doing. And he kept it in the back pocket until he was no longer shadow running. So his scheme, complete easy. Once, once that was there, his next, next scheme was get more power in the corporation. And so I followed the same process. What's his process? Shadow runners. He's got contacts in the shadow running community. He's building off of the previous scheme. Mm -hmm. okay. So he's he's going to use them. And so as that continues to evolve, it goes to, okay, you've got your, that's your basic loop. Mm -hmm. And then what you want to add in is accounting for the inevitable failures that you will see and how you can twist those to accomplish part of your goal. Or, right. you know, so go I ahead. Cut I don't you off. I don't want Question. to cut you off. I'm sorry, but you told us a lot, and there's a lot to unpack yeah, in that. There's absolutely yeah. a lot to unpack. Okay, so let us unpack that before you continue. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> Cotton, do you have questions right now? Yeah, like, Go. He, he's describing it in this kind of way of, like, you know, well, what do I want? How do I achieve it? But, you know, it's kind of like, how do you uh, determine a goal? How do I put this? I, I wish I knew more of the specifics of, of the decisions you made regarding what the what, what what the other people were doing like like, like what what the gym is doing what the other players are doing how are you accounting for that how are you because you, you don't know That's 100 percent what they're gonna do yeah i understand what you're saying you're saying like you have your plan and you have what you want to do but you mm -hmm. can't control the table and what the other players do or right. discover or anything or the gm like all, all those the, the the majority of the variables unless i'm wrong okay uh -huh. are dependent on whatever any individual does at any given time so are you anticipating their decisions on what to do are you anticipating their success rate on those decisions that they make like that's a that, that's like a lot <laughs> like, explain it really chess to us you know it's like, absolutely a lot yeah it's so but many um yeah go ahead you are good at seeing things before other people do so i think it might be easy for us to anticipate what a player will do he also knows 
how to manipulate them in character. You're not a manipulative Ooh. person. But Royce was a manipulative person. Absolutely. And a face. So he knows how to manipulate them into doing what he wants. Right. And so, and Royce especially, he was really good with the indie ploy. Like, all of those situations were opportunities that he jumped on. And and he knew, and, and more of it is like, I knew. Um, because this was on the runner hub, and the quality of Shadowrunner on the runner hub is often suspect. And utilizing my position as, as a GM there, I'm also reading the after-action report so I can see how these players are operating from run to run. And so now I have this idea, I'm like, okay, what are the chances this team is going to fuck up somehow? And I, I just, I'll, I'll factor that in. In the case of the drones, this was, you know, the general run was there's something wrong with these drones, some dipshits attach flashbangs to some and frag grenades to others. So the goal for this team, because they were a bunch of goody two-shoes, was save the people. And he's like, no, this is fantastic. And so that's when he said, you guys do the legwork. I'm going to command these people to get out of here because that was his strength. So I was able to manipulate the team into being heroes and, <laughs> and, and film it. So, you know, there's, there's that. I can keep that in the back pocket. Um, hmm. Something like this also at the time, I'm just like, I'll, I'm going to do this later after the, the character retires because that way I don't, I can get involved with a GM because, like the GM, you need you need the buy-in from the GM on a lot of this stuff. Just like give them that heads up, and it's knowing the GM as well to know if you're going to be able to get away with this or if you're going to Ocean's Eleven this this GM and this table while you're doing all this. Okay, so um, all right, I'm gonna again more to unpack. Absolutely, There's so much. Uh, all right, so you said determine a goal. Now you're not talking so. You, all right, let me back up here. Uh -huh. When you determine your goal, your first goal for Royce was make money. That's mm -hmm. not your ultimate goal for Royce. Correct. So do you ha did you have an ultimate goal? And then in order to get there, you're like, this is what I need to do first. This is my first goal. Um, I did not have an ultimate goal for him until okay. probably about three jobs in. Okay. And and once that hit, and once I realized that he had enough to to get this thing started to where he could maneuver himself, because he was he was working with Neonet in Shadowrun, uh, Shadowrun history, Shadowrun lore. Neonet is famously just turbo fucked from every direction all through Fifth Edition. But he saw an opportunity to gain a lot of power in his corporation for what he was he was doing, and so that was his overarching goal was now to be in a position where he can utilize deniable assets to further the company's goals, personally enrich his bank account, and also be in a place where the Shadowrunners are unable to retaliate if they, they think that he's going to, to betray them or something. Okay. All right, you had mentioned working with the GM to get that buy-in. Yeah. And how much do you tell the GM of your plans? Do you keep anything back? Are you up front? It, it depends on the GM. Okay. So with, with Royce, none of the GMs knew what I was doing because they didn't have to. Okay. When, when I was playing him, I was just grabbing this stuff and I would throw in a, hey, by the way, my guy's recording this stuff, but he's keeping it in the back pocket, you know, because mm -hmm. if it gets posted, everybody will figure out who it is, all that shit. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I joke about it in the OOC channels. Um, so when it actually hit the IC things, the players knew what was up. They thought it was funny. They didn't realize what he was doing. Mm -hmm. But like if I go to my other professional schemer, Art, in the vampire game, then I got buy-in with BAMS 
at at session zero because I told him I'm making somebody who's scheming. He's going to be playing behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. He's he's not going to you know my rules there were I'm not going to fuck over the coterie. Mm-hmm. Um, these these are my these are my short term goals. These are my long term goals. And if anything changes, then of course those will change as we go through. So Bamps knew and knows what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I trust him to not meta it and just fuck me over every time. Because he's got his plan. He's got mm-hmm. his own scheme for the table. And mm-hmm. so he's interested to see how my scheme interacts against his and and who's going to come out on top. Well, and, and that goes with having a GM that you really trust and you know isn't going to metagame, isn't going to just, well, I know what you want to do now, so now I'm going to put every blocker and obstacle I can in front of you. Right. right. Sometimes you don't have that as for a GM. Yeah, in which so case, you have I don't to scheme. Keep it from them? You don't scheme in those games? Yeah. Oh. And because I mean, let's let's face it. There's there are a lot of a lot of games where the GM or the table they're not going to like or accept a schemer. It it's I hate to say it, but it is a rare game master that will look at the potential for a scheme that a player has and not say no, that will ruin the table. And that's something that's a problem on the schemer's side because you have a lot of players who are like, oh, I want to do this this, uh, this this thing in the shadows and it's going to fuck over the party. And, you know, it's, it, it's going to be all suspicions and everything until I do the big unveiling. It's like, no, that sucks for the rest of the party. And if they get pissed off, they're just going to put two in your skull and walk away because I've done that. So this, it's, it goes back to you need to, to read, read the table know your people and if you are in a setting and a system and you've got the conditions for it then it's like hey i've got this character he's um he's a necromancer he's moonlighting as a healer he's just really bad at it um he's he's using this to raise the dead so they can um find a second chance at redemption so the souls that are locked into these rotting husks can move on after they finished some task for the people that they died for. Um, or, you know, I'm... It, it, it's... It's even part of, like, your regular character's backstory, right? Because everybody's... All the characters have a backstory. Any part of that backstory can be a scheme mm-hmm. because of just how you go about accomplishing that goal you know it's like okay um joe fighterman has a sister who was sold into slavery he's been trying to find her and then uh bring bloody justice to the people that took her away from him and it might be jason thieferson was associated with a slaving band who grab some people may or may not have been his sister so they're both keeping it on the dl or he might be keeping it on the dl because john fighterman's like i'm i'm very upfront about this so now thiefson's got a the scheme in order to stay alive or figure out what he's going to do with this guy Hmm. okay cutting did you have another question yeah i mean how do you so when you're at a table okay and you said uh if the gm's not feeling it or it's not their jam that you just kind of like don't choose to do it okay do you look at the other players like i i guess i have a lot of new players and so i'm seeing it from their perspective and it's kind of like they may not know that's an option they may not know that's the thing that we're doing today they may think that the default like like the default is we're all here to be friends and get along and be the a team and be cool are, are you like having a conversation? Do you just kind of like read the room? Like, how, how do you how do you yeah. approach? It? Or do you just come out the gate and say, "Hey, I'm thinking about a more, a more schemey vibe in the session zero because you obviously like it, right?" So, what's your what's your approach for people who may not be expecting it as a normal part, you know, you know, par for the course type of situation? Sure. So, I mean, that's that's why uh, you know a table session zero is great because you're able to read the table, get an idea. Just on how people are talking, how excited they are about the characters, you know, they've got their ideas of who they're putting together, they're really jazzed about backstories, and then you're like, okay, 
if you've got that that gut feeling like this party isn't going to like take it personal or even better it's like if your scheme happens to involve or or you can work it to involve their backstories to advance their stories and make them feel like they're a part of it instead of a target that mm. makes it a lot easier for them to swallow okay so I, so what are some ways that you sort of brought in when you say bring them in right Right. Are they your kind of confederates in, in a in a larger plot, right? Like to achieve X goal, you guys are working together. Do you kind of bring them in, or how, how, or do you have some examples of that? How you brought somebody else into a scheme you kind of had founded, or? Uh let's see here. I have an example where it was starting to go well, and then I've got an example where it didn't. So first example was D&D. We're going to talk about your bard and my Birdman Corsair Oh, wow. We're going back. We're going (laughs) back. So, you know, my character's goal when I made that character was he wanted to be a carefree pirate, but he had that thing in the back of his bird-like noggin that if he had a chance to kind of stick it to the the people that kicked him out, if he could go back to his family and just like fucking torch the nest and make off with a bunch of money and just like cause some, some like absolute chaos, maybe like, you know, kill a king or something, he'd be absolutely down for it. But he's on this piddly boat. And then circumstances conspired to where he got in charge and now he's got a crew with their own their own goals he's got a bard who wants to become you know nobility he's got a monk that's doing i don't know what he's got um he's got a a frogman cleric looking for his people who later becomes a oath of vengeance paladin who just wants to like you know get his groove back and this is where it's cool because the GM, Jupe in this case, was aware of all this. And like, so when the shapeshifter paladin character comes in, it turns out it was the Corsair's people who fucked this guy up. And it's part of a conspiracy. now. So now he's got somebody with buy-in. The place is incredibly rich. So he's got buy-in from the, the dipshit members of the crew who just want money. It's got mm-hmm. chaos, so the chaotic members of the, the party have got buy-in. And it's going to be a feather in the cap for, you know, the baronet. So I was hoping that, the you know, you as your bard had buy-in. And that's how that scheme was going to come to fruition before things fell apart. Uh, interesting. Okay. And an example of where it didn't work well was a Shadowrun 4th edition game that I played we'll say it was 15 years ago because it was so i was running a magician and his he had didn't have a scheme he had a goal and his goal was he was building a hospital for an underserved community out in the the redmond barons and things were going well things were going well he got betrayed by a member of the team and during that betrayal, he actually got shot and killed, but I burned an edge to survive. And so that went from a plan now to a scheme, and the, the, the simple scheme was, I'm going to get revenge. And he actually ended up working with the big bad of, of that campaign to start setting up the crew to be double-crossed in, in revenge. And there was a little bit of buy-in from the rest of the of the group because when he got betrayed, the rest of them did too. So all their money got stolen. And then at the last minute, we got a new person in who completely wrecked the plan. Cause like I was like I had the person who betrayed us and one other like one NPC. They were unconscious in the back of his ambulance. This guy's oh, I'm gonna come along with you. I'm like, well fuck, I can't tell him no. And so I'm going to roll in in order to to drop them off, uh, going to a different place. And like I'm stopping at this gate, waiting for it to open. And he turns to me and says, oh, see, are you trying to, to betray us? And I laugh I'm like, yeah, right. And then in character, he attacks and knocks my character unconscious and leaves. So 
yeah, at that I was, point. I was ask sometimes about those negative reactions <laughs> and right. suspicions. Yeah. Now, in this, he wouldn't have been harmed, but he was fresh in. He had his own just... He wasn't a great player, but that is that's an example of where it doesn't work, and that's something you kind of got to be aware is going to happen, is that schemes will fail. And so in those cases, you want to you want to try to work to where it's not a complete failure unless you're at the like the penultimate part of the scheme, where if you have a setback, you can keep going. Or, you know, if you've got a if you've got a stage of your plan that you're doing, like this is the um we'll call it the this the Xanatos version of scheming, right? Because Xanatos never loses. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the uh what the uh Xanatos Gambit? Yeah, the Xanatos yeah. Gambit where no matter what happens, you in some way advance your scheme. Either you're gaining goodwill with one party, you've got the MacGuffin you need for the next step, or you know, you've taken another rival out of the picture. So you may not get a complete success, but no matter what you do, you get a partial success. Actually, so so what I'm hearing is it's kind of it's it, it's uh it's an advanced tactic. Read the room, yeah. understand what's happening, understand your players, understand your GM, understand where they are in terms of both skill set, experience, emotional intelligence, or acceptance of this idea. Because I, if, it sounds like a minute ago with the example you raised. You had somebody who was immediately suspicious, and once it's clear you're running any kind of game, like you're doing any scheming at all, they immediately had like the worst thoughts ever, and then they, you know, immediate reprisal, right? Yeah, because so he was he was there for precisely two games, and the read I got from him immediately, which is why like this. So I'll, I'll back up a second. The reason I accelerated this scheme because I did this was going to be a long term thing. But the reason I accelerated this is because he came in <clears throat> and he had a severe case of main character syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know, we hit the legwork phase. He would refuse to let anybody else interact. We had a table of like eight people just kind of sitting there chilling while this guy did literally everything. He would not let us do anything else. And he just he came across as a titanic asshole. And so I'm sitting here thinking this game has just stopped being fun. So I'm going to pull off the scheme so the character can go, and then I can just kind of bounce. And my hunch played out correct in that he wanted to be wherever the action was, and because the camera was going to follow my character, he had to be there too, so he could steal the limelight. Hmm. This all sounds so salty, though. Like, is there... Uh, no. <laughs> what do you mean, salty on who's on which side? The, the, the other guy, because he well, was yeah. like being shitty about stuff, and so it's you know you were so trying to. Me, to... It, it sounds like that player was metagaming. Right, he was. Yeah. But yeah. People, I guess my point is that people will. So if if I'm playing yeah. a game, now I'm at a point now, and because I've been around you, okay, you, you're you're the schemer. <laughs> okay, cool. I get it. I'm down. I'm, I'm with the program. Just trust. Hmm. Hmm. <sighs> So because there's trust there, when I start to see you running game, which is how I phrase it, right? Like I, he, he, you're doing something I don't understand. You're, you're, there's some scheming. There's some stuff happening. It may even result in a negative or even the demise of my character. I'm cool with that now, and there's trust there now because I don't feel like you're trying to fuck me. I don't feel like you're trying to fuck my character or fuck my experience. or you know. So yeah. if you have someone who's new either to the game in general or to the concept of scheming, either one. I feel like they'll be deeply distrustful, right? Like, I'm new to the game, and there's this one guy who's out there being fucking weird and cagey about shit, and not... Because in my, in, in my game, right, there is no internal monologue of my characters. And I've been in, 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 in most of my games, there is no internal monologue of characters. Everyone is like a hive mind of, we want to achieve X goal. And the second someone steps out of that, they're having private action. Which did happen some in my game of newbies. There is an immediate distrust and an immediate temptation to meta game. So, do you like ever have a talk with players? Like, yes, I'm scheming, but I'm not trying to fuck you. Do you like have that conversation? Like, because if you come out the gate in game one, 
and you're doing schemey shit. I guess how do I put it? It's kind of like you. How many times have you been in the party with the rogue character who was like, "I'm a rogue, so I steal shit, so I steal all the stuff, and I'm, you know, chaotic asshole," right? You know, right. It, it's it's happened. So now I think that's you. That's mm-hmm. what, that that's you, you're fitting the profile. So now I'm going wow. to metagame. I'm going to obstruct. I'm going to distrust. I'm not going to allow you to do the thing because I think you're trying to fuck the shit. You know, to not have a good time. Mm-hmm. How do you? Or do you do anything with those players? Do you just only I, do it with people you trust? Do you have like a, a conversation? I start slow. Okay. <clears throat> and that's that's probably the most difficult part because like the act of doing a scheme is I mean, it is you're right. It's it's a it's a meta level of of the RPG, right? It is it is an additional part to the game. You don't need it to enjoy it, but boy, if you can do it and you can pull it off, it's a lot of fun. And so like in a lot of these cases, I was still feeling the table out. <clears throat> I'm I'm gonna start on that base level. I am I am John Fighter Man. I'm gonna do fighter things. We're we're meshing with the party. We're gelling with the party. We're seeing how they interact with one another. If it's with people I know, I can go faster <clears throat> because the 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 base level of trust has already been set. It's already there. If it's for a podcast, even better, because you know, unless it's Alien, <laughs> we're not out to fuck the party. You know, we're 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 providing content and entertainment, and having a game where you've got a dipshit Nosferatu scheming to kill people and to and take over their position in the coterie, it's the worst kind of play. It's exactly what people don't want to listen to. And yet we've done it twice. Well, those, well, look, one was an NPC, the other one wanted to leave. I know, but it's just funny. Like, we've done it twice. All right, so, Cotton, you're saying if you were a player at the table and you thought somebody's scheming, but you didn't know what the scheme was, you would just be obstructive. I would be uh, sorely tempted. Not, not now, because I've... yeah. Because I've been primed, I'm used to this. But mm-hmm. yeah, out the <laughs> gate, like like five, ten years ago, yeah, you start being cagey, you start being weird, you start running your own game, you start being your own thing. I'm going to be very distrustful because most games are high mind. They are, I have this power, you have this power, or uh, you find that I, when I tell a player in my game after two years, mind you, uh, you understand as a result of your history score that this is the uh, evil sea god. You know, uh, you know. Daffy, whatever, whatever the fuck, and they instantly share it. There is no guile. There is no like. Sh- there's not even a point where they ask the question, "Should I share this?" It is. Well, of course I share it, right? There, there is no information held se- held separate. None. So if somebody comes along and starts having their own conversations with NPCs, and they don't share the information, and they start doing actions again, I had it in my own game. Our rogue was doing it. And I really appreciated it. It was really cool. He was out like getting forged licenses for like scouting in the jungle and shit. And it was really cool. And then um, I kind of introduced the concept of we are not all of one mind. We are not mm-hmm. like five people holding video game nodules, you know. Now, I didn't uh, expound upon that. Uh, well, a little bit I did. But in any event, the point being is that a lot of people won't trust it. They will not. Once you start going off on your own thing, it's like. He must have something to hide. Sure. They must be doing something wrong. They're out to fuck me. And frankly, all too often, that's not wrong. <laughs> you know, there is the well, chaotic asshole you know, character. That, that is a problem. And that's why scheming has such a negative connotation. Is because <sighs> there are plenty of people who are are that stereotypical rogue. Like, I am scheming. I'm going to steal all the stuff in, in the pack. I'm going to steal the sack of gems. I'm going to run away. Hoo-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. Right. That's bad scheming. <laughs> but none of your schemes at your tables have focused... None of them have focused on hurting any other player or their character. Correct. It's purely just self-serving. Yes. That's yes. all your schemes are. <clears throat> Are to either be self-serving or, in the case of VTM, to help the coterie. Right. That's it. I am. And I am furthering a, a a meta goal, and mm-hmm. it is. I 
because I have fallen to the mustache twirling rogue so many times, I'm not going to mm-hmm. do that to somebody else. Okay. I have read plenty of stories where somebody will be wronged because <clears throat> somebody is doing something shitty and they throw together a scheme to get revenge. And unfortunately, those Reddit posts seem to have been deleted, but um, there was a uh, an Asimite in a vampire game, um, the saga of Jalise Kamal, who um, he the the player made a caitiff for a game that he came in on. And the coterie was really shitty and put him in a situation to where no matter what he did, he was either going to be um, basically uh, killed for violating the masquerade or killed for violating the rules that had been put on him at Elysium. And so the group put him in that situation because they didn't want a newcomer coming into the group. And so his caitiff gets killed and he's like, all right, fuck these guys. I'm about to ruin their day. And so over the span of months, um, he built up a Sabbat incursion into the city and nobody was the wiser. And he was able because he was an Asimite. So he always had that look of diablery because that was one of the things back in the day. Mm. And because of that, he could eat other vampires and just play that off as like, yeah, obviously I can't, you know, that's that's the curse we all share. Because that was the first thing that they tried to do to him when he was introduced. It's like, oh, he's a Diablerist. I'm like, no, I'm an Asimite. <laughs> and he ended up killing and eating all four of those characters at the table, <gasps> along with the entirety of the Camarilla of the city. The Anarchs of the city were either killed or joined the Sabbat, and the Sabbat reigned supreme in that city at the end of the game. <laughs> Well, shit, that... that oh, that, that sounds like it was to the detriment of the other characters. That was right. to the... Shouldn't absolutely. They have, shouldn't they have killed you? Shouldn't they have... Stuck, like, well, the minute you said, I'm running my own game, they should have just murdered you? Yeah. No, but he doesn't tell them. That's what he Don't said at the them. start. He doesn't yeah. tell anybody. He talks right. to the GM for buy-in, but only when he's assessed that the GM would be open to it, or if he already knows the GM, like Bams. Right. So I've played in or I've played in games with Oz in Shadowrun games and, and many others. And he would I mean, after the fact I would be like, I don't know what just happened, and you would explain, Oh, this was the scheme, I've been doing this, this, and this. But I don't think you've ever told me any scheming before you've done it, have you? Uh I have alluded to some things that have been going on uh-huh. from time to time. And I've shared some theories because that's the other thing is like, like part of my scheme for vampire is figuring out what Bams's scheme is for the story. (laughs) And because of that, I mean, you've in the theater of the mind, you've seen my Pepe Sylvia board where I've just got these, these, uh, these flashcards hanging off of strings and they're, Mm -hmm. they're pointing everywhere. I've got one of those in my head based on all the things that appear. And a lot of that stuff can be shuffed off as like, that's not correct, that's that. But my game is finding out what he's doing and then figuring out in season one what we figure out in the end of season two in regards to the prince. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I just, I don't know. I want to scheme. I just... I don't know how to do it because I need to talk it out with people. Sure. And, and I know what I want to do. I've talked to you about, but now you're telling me I'm like, oh, that probably shouldn't have done that. Because how do I know you won't try to? Right, right. Put obstacles in my way now. Yeah. And so I just my... have to trust that you won't meta. <clears throat> yeah. The first is, is absolutely trust. And my thought is story first, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I want to win, but I want to see the story. I want to see how this plays out. I'm very excited. Okay. So I have my character in my head. I know his motivations. And so when something happens, my first thought is, you know, if if I find out about it as a player before my character finds out, it is, how would my character find out? Would he actively be looking for it? Or 
does he have a blind spot regarding that event so he would not look? Because we've been in this in the terms of vampire, we've been playing this for three years now. It's very, very well established that art, the Nosferatu, has some significant blind spots regarding vampires in the city. Okay. All right. Also, I, I want to thank you for talking about doing a risk assessment and mitigations and controls. <laughs> thank you. You're speaking my language. Right? Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's an integral part of the scheme, right? Because the, the, the thing that kills a scheme is going to be, above all else, discovery. Mm-hmm. So how are you keeping it from people? If somebody starts getting getting wise or suspicious how do you defray that suspicion Mm -hmm. what are some techniques to to do that play it casual honestly like one of the things like you know going back to the shadowrun example if i didn't think the guy was such an asshole i would have stayed longer i would have let him get used to what i was doing as a player and then when it comes to the point of where, okay, I can enact the next part of my plan, I'm doing the normal things, normal things, and then I'll just kick off something at the end. You know, I'll pass a note to, to the GM and be like, hey, I'm going ahead with this thing because I'm right here. And the GM will say, okay, yeah, no problem, because the GM had buy-in at that point. Mm-hmm. But yeah. since he came right in and started strutting all over the table... You know, there was one or two ways I could have made that any better. Um, I could have gone a different direction, but I kind of wanted to get out of there. So I'm like, all right, well, if he kills my character, that's it. But, you know, and that's that's the thing is, if you're going to scheme, don't act what other people would think of it out of character. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you said you want, you want Missy to scheme. She's got a plan yeah. for something. Mm-hmm. We have... Again, three years of evolution of of Missy's um, her activities, her habits, her attitudes, her the, her play style, and so now you can look at it and be like, "Here's all the times where nobody's paying attention to me. This is where I can do scheming. Hmm. These are all the times where I know where everybody else is. This is time I can do scheming. This is all the stuff that I scheme." is either in a one-on-one with Pamps or or in a text where later on we go into voice and record it. So all those times when nobody else is there, that's what I'm doing. You can do the same thing. RC can do the same thing. Cookie can do the same thing. Because I was just about to ask, well, it's a podcast. The other players, if they listen, they'll know what I'm doing. Yes, that's true. But for two things. Hmm. One, we have a backlog. Okay. Two, I don't think anybody else listens to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You mean cast-wise is what he means. Yes, (laughs) cast-wise, when it it gets to the release, the only other person, like, I'm listening to it when I edit it, and we're, you know, anywhere from two to six months from Mm -hmm. when the event happened, so things have evolved. Mm -hmm. Or, um... I think Bams listens to it on release, but nobody else is really listening yeah. to it as it comes out. And because we've got that that time lag, we accurately don't know what's going on. Hmm. So I, I have a, a bit of a question, and it does relate to my own experience, but it was something I think it is it is something that can be generalized. Okay, so scheming and running your own game as i say is kind of an advanced level thing you're probably not going to be your first in your first game when you start excuse thinking about how do i run my own subplot right right okay great well my game my own two-year game has ended Mm -hmm. my tenure as gm is temporarily over hallelujah uh hallelujah (laughs) ah yes congratulations yeah we got there so now i'm gonna be a player however my group with one exception, 
was a hive mind. They they didn't withhold. And there was one. Our rogue. He 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 would withhold information. He would run his own game and scheme. He didn't do anything to the players. And I think that's really going to help if I were to run my own game, right? He did schemey stuff, and he didn't like you know screw over the players. Mm-hmm. Cool beans, like it. But but it, it, the, the situation is you have a bunch of people who are st- who are they're not new, but they they haven't played at a lot of different tables. I don't believe, right? They don't have mm-hmm. the experience in terms of different personalities. I do. So I'm you know, let's say I roll up and I want to have my own you know subplot or my own thing going, my own deal. My first thought was if I do that, if I show up and I start being sketchy. I'm liable to have that blow up in my face. They're not going to be trusting from a somewhat metagaming sense, and maybe, maybe not. So my thought was, I, whatever scheme I need to do needs to be one that has a generally positive outcome, no clearly negative outcome, and even would promote someone else. In like, uh, like, I want to achieve X goal, so I'm going to have the other party member become the Duke of Elderberry, and I'll be their, uh, you know, bure- you know, bureaucrat. But I, but, but. It's it's a cushy deal, something like that. I guess I fear if I sit down with these people, and I start doing my own shit, they're gonna feel a little left out, a little isolated, a little uh, frustrated that I'm doing these things, and it may bite me in the ass, right? Metagame but or not. At a table, you aren't doing that, right? Us, you're you're doing that like out of the regular table game play. You're just going one on one with the GM talking to him right saying this is what i'm doing or are you just doing it right there in the open because that kind of defeats the purpose of not telling anyone well it's it's a little bit of everything it depends on on you know how how chaotic i want to feel so because the the only thing we're running right now is is vampire so everybody knows i'm a schemer my scheming still happens largely in solo sessions with BAMPs. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the part of the scheme that was the most public is when Art and Missy were talking about putting uh, Terrence in as Baron because nobody was going to trust the either of us. Neither of us wanted to be Baron because have you seen what happens to the Baron? Yeah, have you seen what to the Barons? Right. We plot so to kill them. Yeah, we plot to kill them. So we can't plot to kill ourselves, so we'll just put somebody else in there. And it's it's going to be understood that, you know, Art's doing this specifically to be the power behind the throne, which was one of his goals. You know, he's he's got an, another overarching goal, which will probably be, you know, season three, but that's neither here nor there. We're not there yet. We're still in season two. Season two, part five, six. Anyway. So I think the first step is, Cotton, find out what the overarching thing that like the overarching goal of this campaign is not from like, not your goal, but you know, what is the DM's idea for this campaign? And then find your character's motivation to work within that. And, you know, your scheme, the ideal scheme in in your table, because you've got a hive mind who's a bunch of of cinnamon rolls who are too pure for this world and one slightly (laughs) asshole-ish rogue. Great. You've You've got a table with a bunch of new but not new players. They've been playing a hive mind game where they're cinnamon rolls. They're too pure for this world. You have somebody who's starting to get into the more subtle, the more, um, I won't say it's morally gray, but it's a point where personal motivations can deviate from the main quest. So your scheme, ideally with this kind of table, should start to involve those players maybe without them knowing so you've got this goal you know maybe you know maybe there's a war on the horizon and you your motivation is you want to push one side or the other to win or maybe you don't you kind of want to play both sides so they both lose and a third party can sweep in and become emperor Maybe that's putting one of the, you know, a member of this party on the throne. 
maybe it's putting two members of the party on two thrones. Hmm. So now you've you've got them in you know you you've involved them, you've supported them in their bids. Not only that, the party's going to feel great because they've managed to create peace between these two kingdoms by ruling with a velvet fist, and you're the power behind the throne, so you get everything that you want. In that case, you're not working against anybody's agenda. And I would encourage the rest of the party, get your own agendas, because you can have something that's not just, we're going to go become king. It, not that it's a bad one. Well, we're, we're approaching the hour mark, and I feel I could talk about this for like another hour, but we're not going to. But I'm going to kind of stew on what you talked about, and if I have further questions, absolutely, um, I may kind of post them. But we have Fuzz from our server listening, and if he has any questions, you know, feel free to type them out, and Oz can answer them before we wrap up. I was just sitting there thinking, I'm going to have to keep an eye on this asshole for this Hunter game. <laughs> Look, he, he, he just wants his own cap. That's it. <laughs> a, a vampire oh. stole his horse, and he's he's going to get revenge. That's it. He's going to get his own cap. <laughs> All right. Well, on behalf of Cotton and myself, I thank you for taking time out. Uh, to to record and to talk to us about this and hopefully I will um, learn from it. There's a lot of good advice in there and there. Um, we'll see if I can do it in season three. I think you can. I think you're going to get a great start um, in the next phase of the of the time skip that we're doing. Spoiler warning there for everybody. Ultimately, your scheme should, you know, it's something that that should entertain and challenge you. It should be something that will entertain the whole table when it's discovered. And it should be done after, you know, read the table to know what you can get away with mm -hmm. without ruining the experience for others. That's the most important part. Don't ruin the experience for others. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think any of my plans are, you know, I think it's really just all about Missy. Her plans are all about her, not anybody else. That's fantastic. That's so, great. That'll work. And mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again. And uh, we'll call it here tonight. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>